You're listening to Coffee and Honeycomb, the podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Park, and today's guest is Victoria Park. Victoria is an actor and artist living in LA. She was most recently in Yappy by Wong Fu Productions, and also in MTV Sweet Vicious and Fox's LA to Vegas and more. In today's episode, Victoria talks about her journey of moving from the Midwest to LA, the struggle of being an Asian American woman in the industry, what it means to pursue a calling and hear the voice of God, and how to get back up when you've fallen down. Being a double minority and in an industry that measures your worth on looks or talents could naturally lend itself with struggling with identity. Victoria shares her personal story and how she's wrestled with this and gives encouragement on how to place your identity in God alone. If you've ever struggled with identity, calling, or anxiety, I hope you enjoy this episode and find encouragement in it. Victoria is super down to earth, easy to talk to, and I think you'll really enjoy meeting her. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Without further ado, grab your cup of coffee and let's get started. Welcome, Victoria. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you. And you said you're drinking tea. What are you you drinking? Um, so I, my everyday drink is a lemon ginger tea with honey in it. Um, I used to drink coffee and then it gave me bad anxiety. So I had to stop. (laughs) So now I drink tea. So you're completely off coffee. No, I have, I still love coffee. So I'll have coffee as like a treat. Um, I'll have like a latte with almond milk or something super LA, but, um, yeah, for the most part, I just drink tea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's good. I feel like I should stop drinking coffee because when I don't drink coffee for a day, I start getting a headache because I think I'm yeah. the caffeine. The addiction's real, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And I think your story and your experience is super interesting. I think people will, would love to hear it. But before we dive in, I wanted to play a little game, rapid fire questions. <gasps> okay. Oh no, I'm terrible at this. Okay. <laughs> It'll be quick. Like 30 okay. seconds, we'll get through this. Great. You can um, say the first thing that comes into your mind. I love it. Wanted to ask about things related to entertainment since you're in the entertainment industry. Sure. Okay. You ready? Yeah. The last movie you saw. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Oh, The Post. Post. What's your favorite actress? Who's your favorite actress? Meryl Streep. Favorite TV show? <laughs> Currently, Westworld. Oh, that's good. Netflix yeah, but of all time, it's um, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Netflix or Hulu? Mm, Netflix. Favorite childhood movie? The Sound of Music. Oh, really? That's a classy answer. <laughs> That's a classy movie, Meryl Streep and The Sound of Music. I was raised on The Sound of Music. My mom raised me on musicals. Oh, that's yeah. just, yeah, that's what I watched. And then the last one, what's the last TV show you binged? Westworld. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I um, watched a little bit of season one. I know season okay. two. Now, it's scary. It's like too scary it's, for me. Yeah, it's it's really intense, but I, I love it. I think the writing is brilliant. I think the acting is brilliant. I just think... Uh, like you think you get where it's going and then it just like takes you for a loop. I don't know. I love it. I love being surprised and I'm not very easily surprised. Hmm. Um, so I love it. Is that your favorite genre? Like sci-fi? Uh, comedy is actually my favorite. So I'm, I generally watch comedy. Um, but I don't know. I got into Westworld. A friend of mine was like, I think you have to watch it. It's really brilliant. Like the writing's really good. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And I just binge watched like the entire first season in pretty much two sittings, I think, which is terrible. Um, I think I was sick. I'll say I was sick. Yeah, and then um, when the second season came out, I, I just recently started watching it again. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Is comedy also your favorite to act in? Yes. (laughs) I really like making people laugh. Um, I think, I don't know, laughter is so great. It brings people together. It makes you feel good. All the endorphins. I just want people to feel good with the stuff I watch, you know? And I think too, sometimes when I'm acting in super dramatic roles, I tend to kind of like get heavy. Um, if you're working on it for a long time, it just, I don't know, it it just brings me down a little bit. I think it's great too. Like there's a lot to be said about those really great dramatic works as well. But for me, I've always preferred comedy. Interesting. Okay. I know we dived in already, but for those who (laughs) don't know who you are, and I'm sure a lot of people already know, can you tell us who you are? What do you do? Yeah. Uh, my name is Victoria Park. (laughs) I am an actor. Um, and, uh, I like to say artist, um, in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know. I do mostly TV and film. And you yeah. were in Yappy just recently, which yes, was, I was amazing. Can you tell Thank us you. what Yappy is about? Yes. So, uh, Yappy is a five episode, um, mini web series. Um, it's by Wong Fu Productions who are amazing, doing amazing things for, the industry and for Asian Americans and our dear friends of mine. They're just great. We've been working together. Funny story. They actually gave me one of my first acting jobs ever. Um, It was called Take It Slow. It was a short film that they put on their channel, man, maybe like seven years ago now. I was like not even sure I wanted to be an actor and like I was in it and I had only done one acting job before then and it was a commercial for McDonald's with this actor who you probably know called Ki Hong Lee and uh, he was the only actor that I knew and then I walked onto set and he was the actor playing opposite me for the Wong Fu short too and I was like, are you the only other Asian American actor in this industry? Like, I don't understand how we work together twice. Um, But yeah, he's like doing a things now he was like in Maze Runner and um uh, what else oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah Kimmy Schmidt and okay. yeah he's been doing a couple I think it was called the Stanford Prisoner Experiment he's been doing a lot of things uh-huh. he's great look him up <laughs> how did you get involved in Yappy you said you were friends with some of the guys who were starting it Yes. So, um, yeah, I'm friends with the Wong Fu guys. We've worked together for years. Um, I worked on their feature film a couple years ago and, uh, yeah, they just asked me to be a part of this project and, um, I read the script and thought it was amazing and so important. Um, just talking about a lot of, uh, what it means to be Asian American, um, from one one standpoint, um, a yappy is basically an Asian yappy, so a young Asian professional, um, and what it means to be, you know, successful and in a yeah. good job and um, doing well and safe, but also still care about the issues of um, the world and about racism and representation and what it looks like within our own Asian American race to be um, unified as opposed to, you know, like separate and then also what it looks like to stand up for other people of color hmm. um yeah I think it's really smart and really important and it was an honor to be a part of and we had so much fun filming it I mean it was just like hanging out with your friends every day and making stuff that you think is important is the dream you know yeah, yeah. the first episode I remember started out in like a monologue and the guy yes. they were supposed to be at a comedy show. Yes, which you don't know. Yes. Uh-huh, when you uh-huh. first watched. That was like a really powerful scene because it and it was something that I feel like some of my girlfriends and I've talked about once as being Asian American of not being like you can relate to some of the privilege 
Mm-hmm. And then um, you can also relate to some of the discrimination of other minorities, but you also can't relate to a lot of it at the same time or can't speak to it. So that was just yeah. so powerful. Why did you yeah. feel like that was an important story to tell? Or was that something you've always been passionate about? Yeah, I mean, um, Phil, the the writer and director and lead actor and creator and everything, um, <laughs> he he really, when, when he originally had the Yappy pilot, it was a, a 30-minute pilot for TV, and he was taking it, like, workshopping it to all of these places, and everyone was really interested. He got in a lot of great rooms, but a lot of people were like, they didn't understand what it was about, I guess. Um, And so he had written this kind of pitch, um, which turned into the, uh, that speech, I guess. Um, And, and kind of, um, I guess, explaining what is unique about the Asian American perspective. Mm. Um, So that's kind of like why it started out that way. And when I first read it, that's the first thing I read. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, we don't talk about this. And we really do need to talk about this. Because this is how I feel a lot of times, you know. Um, I I have friends of all different walks of life and all different ethnicities and colors and whatever. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I feel like we do have a very unique standpoint of being able to um, kind of stand in a lot of different camps and um, almost like bridge the gap for a lot of people. Mm. Um, But at the same time, it's difficult because I think a lot of times we're overlooked um, uh, as a lot of other minorities, I think are, but um, I don't know. I've been really excited about Crazy Rich Asians. I, I don't know oh, if you yeah. follow me on Twitter, but literally my Twitter has just become like 100% retweeting, fangirling everything Crazy Rich Asians. I think, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And I think it's definitely putting us in the in like the forefront of people's minds, which is so exciting. I can't wait to see it. I already bought my ticket for opening night. Okay. Yes, because I want to be in the chair, like my money supporting this movie to show Hollywood that it's important. But oh my gosh, I was scrolling through photos for um, from the premiere a couple of days ago, and I was like legit sobbing. Yeah, <laughs> because it just means I didn't realize like how much it meant to me. Like I always talk about it, like how much it means, but um, I think I didn't realize like how much I didn't believe. I'm like gonna start crying again. Oh um, how much I didn't believe that it was possible to see mm. a movie like this happen in my lifetime, and so like seeing it happening was so healing and affirming to be like yes like we freaking did it you know yeah. and I'm just I'm so excited to see it and I'm so excited that it's getting such good buzz and yeah there was an article I saw about it and it was telling the backstory and how they were offered this like incredible cushy Netflix deal and yes. they passed that down and they were like we yes. need this big stage like we have the opportunity and the privilege to say no to the money and yes. we take this big stage and open the way for other Asians. I was like, good for you guys. This is so cool. I know. And they're get. I mean, I, I believe, but I hope they're going to make their money back. Like it's going to be worth it. And yeah. just what they've done for breaking that glass ceiling, I think is, is so great and so important. I don't know. I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm totally going on this tangent here now, but so I remember, so when I first started working, which is about like five years ago and I was in corporate America and it's a, in Minnesota, which is a very predominantly white environment. And that was like the first time when I was really doing a lot of self-reflection and thinking about how I'm an Asian American female in this office with mm-hmm. not only all white people. And, and I was like doing some history researching and things like that. And I was talking a lot about how Asian Americans, they succeeded in America because they were assimilating. Like they like, they kind of forgot about their culture intentionally or kind of let that go or left that in the home so that they could show up and kind of assimilate to 
other people in America. And it was so interesting because I was like, I feel that. Like, I feel the need to assimilate to be successful. And it feels like a compliment when people forget that I'm Asian. But Mm -hmm. what, I don't know, tragedy or whatever that is to like Mm -hmm. stripping that away and like trying to force fit. Yeah. So I think it's so cool. And I feel like that was a time where I was learning to finally like embrace being an Asian American woman and not feeling like I needed to strip that away to be successful or accepted in America. Yeah, no, I feel that deeply. That's, I mean, I think like you and I have talked about how we're both from, you know, small Chicago suburb areas Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, grew up with mostly white people. I don't know if you did, but I did. And, And I definitely felt that growing up that need to kind of downplay my Asian side so that I could fit in. Um, And then as I grew up and as I actually left, um, kind of going back and embracing that and being like, no, this is a really, it's not just a part of who I am. It's a really important part of who I am and a beautiful part of who I am and learning how to embrace that. But also like recognizing that, um, I don't know, my story is going to be different than somebody who grew up in an all Asian area here. And, And that's good too, you know, like I'm not as, um, quote unquote Asian as you, but I'm like more Asian than you. And that's fine. Like we're all Asian. It's fine. <laughs> so you were in, you grew up in Chicago suburbs yes. and we realized you grew up in Urbana-Champaign where I went to school, which yes. is such a small world. I know. It's and crazy. then how did you end up in LA? Can you tell us the journey of how you um, got into acting? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I was born and raised in Champaign, Champaign, oh my gosh, in Champaign-Urbana. Um, both my parents went to U of I and my grandpa was actually um, the head of the Orgo department there. So that's kind of how we ended up there. Um, and then, you know, in second grade, we moved to the Chicago suburbs and kind of stayed in that area for a while, ended up going to Northwestern to stay close to home per my parents' request, a very uh, good Asian daughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so went there. Um, had a great four years, studied film production, okay. and then um, kind of really spontaneously spur of the moment, like, didn't really know what I wanted to do after graduation. A lot of my friends were getting married. Um, How did young. you pick film production? Because did that feel like a very different major at the time? Like, were your friends yes. also pursuing that? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I uh, yeah, so I, I went to Northwestern pre-law. Um, yeah, I was communication studies pre-law and, uh, I always loved like writing and, uh, the English language. My parents were like, you would be a great lawyer. And I was like, cool, two thumbs up. So I went (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I I hated it. I really hated it. Um, I hated debate. I hated speaking in front of people. I Mm. hated just studying like the way to you and like formulate and I was like this is not me at all and I remember talking to um we had kind of these like advisors that were like juniors or seniors and I remember talking to her and I was like hey like this sucks I hate this and she's like yeah you're a freshman all the freshman classes suck but like look at all and she like showed me all the classes she was taking she's like isn't this amazing and I looked at it and I was like there's seriously not a single class that I want to take so I uh started taking all of these other classes just trying to figure out what it was that I wanted and um I thought about international studies for a while and I thought about um what else did I say? I, I, I was looking at psychology, which actually was my minor. Um, I was looking at Spanish. I don't know why. I really liked different languages. Um, and then I ended up in a film class and I was like, this has always been kind of secretly what I wanted to do. Huh. Um, I love movies. My mom raised us watching movies. Yeah. Um, 
like I said, the sound of music, we were raised on musicals like Judy Garland and, um, and old Hollywood. And, and, you know, my mom, we, she was very strict with us and we weren't allowed to watch a lot of TV. Um, and we weren't allowed to watch a lot of movies, but we were allowed to watch the classics. We were allowed to watch Disney and, uh, and we were allowed to stay up late to watch the Oscars and Chicago Bulls games. So to this day, like I'm, you know, diehard Chicago Bulls fan and like, just love everything about the movies. And so, um, I think, I had always, I grew up very like dramatic and I, and I would like, you know, walk with like my, my headphones in down like the hallways and I would like have music playing and I would pretend that I was in a movie. Yeah. Like this is the soundtrack when I would be doing this. This is the soundtrack of my life. I used to pretend to do the, you know how they go, you're watching Disney channel and they would do the little, yeah, the mouse. I would always practice. Yes. Yes. That was so me. And so I think just sitting in some of my first film classes, I was like, this is so, Hmm. I didn't know that this was a profession. I didn't know that this was something that you could do. And so I just started doing it and I didn't tell my parents right away. Uh, Didn't tell them for a couple of years, for a couple of years. I think it was like junior year and we were like preparing for graduation. And I was like, Hey, so um, yeah. And it, it, it was okay. But uh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so studied that, wanted to become a cinematographer, um, ended up moving to LA on a spur of the moment decision, just like packed my car up, drove out to LA. My dad drove with me, bless his heart. Like, oh my gosh, gosh. I can't believe how supportive he was. He was like, yeah, cool. Um, I packed your bags, moved to LA and did you have like a job lined up? Did you know people? No, I knew zero. I knew nobody. Uh, and I had no jobs lined up. I had, uh, I had worked my way through college, so I had quite a bit of savings. Um, and, uh, I just looked up UCLA sublets. (laughs) This is summer. like a movie in itself. Like a Midwest Asian American. Yes, yeah. Psychotic. Um, yeah. And so I, I found a sublet on Facebook and That's I was so like, cool. cool. And I moved to UCLA and I like, it just landed and all of a sudden was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? I mm. binge watched all of Gossip Girl. <laughs> uh went running like like got really into fitness but still was like what am I doing with my life I had no friends no jobs like whatever um I started PAing at a couple um like just a production assistant like super low level on a couple of productions um just really lost and really depressed and sad Mm. and uh, a friend of mine from high school actually we had lost touch she messaged me on Facebook and she was like hey I see you're in LA and I was like yeah she's like I'm moving there do you want to move in together and I was like sure what are you doing and she's like oh I'm gonna be an actor and I was like cool that sounds cool and so she like forwarded me her info for this acting class and I basically went to just make friends um and I went and I I don't know I had no expectations and I really just loved it and it was Mm. just something I was doing for fun but then I ended up getting my manager through that and then got my agent through my manager and then uh they started putting me out on jobs and I started booking right away and I think a lot of people in my life and in my acting class were like hey like this is going really well for you. So you should, and it doesn't normally, so you Mm. should like go with it. And I just kind of was like, sure. Um, I, I just like to say yes to things. And I was like, I just kept saying yes. And then all of a sudden a year had gone by and then three years had gone by and now seven years have gone by and I'm still here doing it. And, um, I think God has been 
so good to me, just Mm -hmm. opening doors left and right. And, um, I think somewhere along the line, I was just like, okay, God, like, is this where you want me? Is this what you want me to do? And I just keep getting yeses. So, um, Mm -hmm. until he gives me something else, this is where I am. And I feel very fortunate to be here. Yeah. As you were kind of going through this journey of feeling lost in college and then all the way to moving to LA, what were like your prayers like during this time? And were you thinking about calling? Cause I feel like that's huge when you're in college and can you kind of share some of your thoughts or prayers then? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think in, in college, um, I don't know. I was like a young idealistic college student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, sure. I'm going to change the world for you, Jesus. Oh, for um, sure. and I, yeah. yeah. And I, I went to Urbana conference, um, it was the winter of my senior year. And so it was right before graduation. And I was like, I had just come off of, I was um, working, I had spent the summer before living in Uganda. I was working with World Vision and I was like, maybe I should change my major again. Like maybe mm. I should be international studies. Like maybe I should, um, you know, work to alleviate poverty in the world and, you know, and um, just super doing that. So I went to Urbana conference and I was like, mm-hmm. God, call me to Uganda, call me to like Africa or Asia or somewhere. And God was like, nope. <laughs> and I was really mad. I remember I really felt like he was calling me to LA and I didn't understand why. Mm. Um, and so I was really mad at God and I actually ended up walking away from my relationship with the Lord for several, several years. Um, I, I, <laughs> hilarious. I ended up in LA anyway, uh, which I don't know if, if that was like, I think it was subconscious. I don't think I even had that like calling thing in my mind, but mm-hmm. looking back on it now, I'm like, how funny God that I still ended up there because of course mm-hmm. your purposes cannot be thwarted. Um, but yeah, so I was, I walked away from him for like my first probably four years in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, ended up in a, in a super dark place and, uh, he met me there and I came back to him and, um, and now definitely feel like, uh, this is, you know, where I'm, where I'm supposed to be for the time being. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think calling is a, is a really, is a really hard thing. You know, oh, I think yeah. <sighs> I was reading something the other day. Do you read Jen Wilkin? Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, but I was reading about how like, you know, we're always asking like, what do you want me to do God? Like, what do you want my calling to be? And, and I think, you know, she says we're asking the wrong question. We should be asking who do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. Um, as like, God's not so concerned with what we do for him, but he's more concerned with who we are in yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I think that's given me a lot of peace of being sure. like, you know, I'm, I'm in his will now. And as long as I just keep abiding in him and um being with him there's it doesn't really matter what I do yeah I think I feel like for our generation too where we are like obsessed with finding like this like job that we're super super passionate about and we kind of blend that with calling when Mm -hmm. like nowhere in scripture does it say calling will be this vocation that you do and it'll stand for the rest of your life like I remember someone told me like Jesus's job was a carpenter but his calling was to save the world and like nowhere would you think that it needed to live like those two would make sense together. I um, love that. That's but so it does, great. It really does re- alleviate a lot of pressure from us. And when Eugene and I were deciding to move here, I was like, God, like, should I move to San Francisco? Like, give me a sign or like, give me some discernment or wisdom. <laughs> and someone sent me this book, which was amazing. And I read it in like a day and it's called Just Do It. Or, I wait. have that book. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay, good. Yeah, it's, a good it's like, book, right? wait, hold on. It's right behind me. So I can tell you, it's just, just do something. Just do something. Yeah. Is like, that what it's called? Yeah. Because I was yes. like, just do it. Nike. That's definitely not what the. Yes. 
Yeah, just do something. Yeah. And it was that we hyper-spiritualized decision-making. And mm-hmm. sometimes we just need to, like, start moving and be faithful. And he's like, God doesn't care if you're in Georgia, Uganda, L.A., whatever. He's like, he just wants you to be faithful. He just wants you to love him. Like, mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. Wait, so I have a question. So when you were talking about how you felt like God was maybe saying no to Uganda or Asia, I'm curious to know, can you talk about, like, what does that mean? Or how did you feel like you thought God was saying no? Oh, man, that's, like, such a good question, you know? And I feel like non-Christians ask me that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I... It's not, like, an audible voice, right? It's not... I never heard, like, a voice. Um, I guess it's just more a very like assured Mm. and strong impression Mm. that, uh, so I, I struggle a lot with anxiety Mm. and, uh, which is why I had to stop drinking coffee. And, um, and, and I'm always like, I just like, I'm just very like not at rest a lot of times. Um, and so when I, when I feel something very at peace in my soul, um, that's usually an indicator and then, um, pressing into it by being like, okay, God, this is, this is what I'm feeling right now. Um, you know, is this from you? Am I still feeling this? And then put going back to scripture, making sure that it lines up with what I know to be true in God's word. Yeah. Um, you know, like God's word is living and active and it speaks to mm-hmm. us. And I think you, know, you read the Bible like 5 million times. Oh, well, I haven't been, I haven't read it 5 million times yet, <laughs> but you know, you read it so much and, and it's something new always comes out to you. And a, mm-hmm. a passage that, I mean, like Deuteronomy the other day, I was like, there's nothing in Deuteronomy, but I like, all of a sudden was like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. This is profound. And so it speaks to you. So I think like going back to his word, um, his actual voice speaking through that and then going to people that you know you very well, that you trust and that trust you and also have um, a very um, intimate relationship with the father as well. Um, and being able to be like, you know, this is kind of what I'm hearing or even just asking like, Hey, what do you think about this? And not even giving what you're hearing. And then sometimes they'll say, I think this, and it's exactly what you were thinking. And you're like, okay, cool. Great. Like, that's a good sign, you know? Um, so it's a hard thing, you know, it's not, it's not science, but um, for sure. That's so helpful. Yeah. I don't know. When you were, um, Okay, going through a dark season, then Elaine, you went back to church. How did you come back to church? I like love hearing this because I feel like so many people have moments like that where they've fallen away. And then people who have gone back to church or people who are in that and thinking, how do I go back? How do I get out of this rut? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I was in a very, very dark season. Um, Definitely at like a rock bottom place where I was like, had no other options and I was just crying and I was like, I mean, God, if you can hear me, one of those type of things. Um, I still remember like being in my apartment, like in my bed, I think like so dramatic, all the lights off, you know, all the like shades drawn and just like sobbing in my bed and then being like, all right, like I can't ignore that. Like I need help. Um, So uh, being in that place and then just God really speaking through people. um, I was in that place and then literally a friend of mine, brought her pastor to my door oh, wow. to pray for me because um, she was so concerned for me and mm. um, started going to that church. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I was going to that church for a while. didn't really have a community, but I was at least like, you know, butt in the chair. Um, 
And then what ended up happening was a friend of mine from college who had always been that person in my life who was always, you know, we would get coffee and ketchup and stuff. And she would always be like, so how are you doing with Jesus? Like, how's your Mm. walk with the Lord? And so she ended up moving to LA as like a crazy God thing. And so she moved to LA and she immediately hit me up and was like, Hey, I'm back in LA. Are you going to church? And I was like, Ooh, kind of. And she was like, cool. Cause I have a great one. Come with me. And I was like, okay. Wow. Um, and that's the church I go to today. I've been going there for like five years now. What church do you go to? Uh, Reality LA. Oh yeah. They have one in San Francisco. They have one in San Francisco. Yeah. That Uh I've been to. It's great. I love the pastor at at San Francisco, but yeah, Reality LA. It's been my home church for like four or five years now. I love it. Uh, it is like a hundred, I mean, God's a hundred percent, but like a hundred percent through this church, (laughs) um, is like the reason why I am, you know, have such a great relationship with the Lord now. And, um, he really like, I really felt his love through like the people there and, Mm. um, and through this friend of mine too. So yeah. Crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like being in the industry you're in could be really hard because it's like super competitive, of course, but also because you're evaluated and measured and what success is, is based on how you look and how you Mm. perform and your talent. How do you like stay grounded through that? And how do you like, I feel like your identity could constantly feel like it's being attacked and you'd want to change. So what, what, like, what does that feel like? And how do you stay grounded? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, it's really hard, but you know, and I'm not just saying this cause it's like, it's a Christian podcast and I want to be a Christian, but like, it really is just rooting your identity in Christ. You mm. know what I mean? Like I, it's so crazy. Sometimes I sit and I think, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like my, I like to say that my job is literally to be rejected because, um, every day I get rejected, like whether it's, um, my agent submits me on something and they're like, no, she's not right for it. Or whether I go out for something, like I audition for something and I don't get the part. Um, I mean, the number of times that I audition and don't get it is, I mean, probably, I mean, it has to be more than 80%. Wait, how many times do you audition like a a week? So, I mean, it depends on the season In a busy season. I'm definitely going out like three times a week. Um, I have great representation. They get me out a lot. So I have no complaints right now. It's a little bit slower. It'll start picking up against again this month, but, um, I'm going out probably like, like once a week or once every other week. Um, yeah, but they're submitting me every day. So I'm literally getting rejected every day. Um, and that's just, you know, a part of your job and it's, it's based on, yeah, the way that you look, uh, the way that you talk, like how old you are, how young you are, whatever. There's like five million, how bad you are, how good you are. Like it, it doesn't, you could look like a producer's ex-girlfriend and they don't want you, you know, like it's so subjective. So, for sure. um, I think it's really easy for a lot of actors to get lost, um, in trying to please people and trying to change the way that you look or the way that you speak or whatever. Um, it's really, really hard. And I think the only way that I have been able to do it with such, joy and also like not losing my mind is just knowing that like this is who I am in Christ this is who God's made me to be and while I'm not perfect like I am uniquely me and that's great and I think too like I feel I very much feel like I'm supposed to be here right now maybe not for forever but right now and so as long as I feel like I'm supposed to be here like that gives me purpose to just keep going for it um God's been so good to me in that I've been able to provide for myself financially um and so that even in and of itself is like a small miracle so 
um, yeah, every time I like get a job, I'm like, cool, like, thanks God. And it's so oh. funny because every job that I've gotten, almost every job that I've gotten, I walked out of the audition being like, that sucked. Like, there's no way oh. I got that. And uh-huh. I like just lift it up to God. I'm like, God, like, whatever, like, there it goes. And then yeah. my agent will call me and I'll literally be laughing. Like, are you kidding me? But I think it's so sweet because it's God saying like, you are not doing this mm-hmm. on your strength mm-hmm. at all. Like, literally, I'm just handing them to you and like, just mm-hmm. showing you like, that I'm providing for you and that it's not by your talent and like your anything, you know? And so it's actually been really, really sweet and really funny. Like I always like have a little, okay, God, like a little laugh with him whenever I get something that I'm like, that was terrible. Cool. Wait, so yeah. remind me, your first role was a McDonald's commercial? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool first role. It's like a pretty big first role. It was actually awesome uh we it was like a camping commercial so we like went out into the forest and we were camping and it was Uh really fun and um and yeah and I got my union membership through that I got my SAG card through that um and yeah I just got grandfathered into the system really easily they didn't know that I wasn't union and then they were like oh you're not union shoot and so they made me union and it was great what did you get free McDonald's Okay, so listen, I got to eat McDonald's when I was on set, but it was like the way that they make it look so good is that it's cold. They keep it oh. in like a fridge. It's okay, cold McDonald's, terrible. I would Why not does making it, it cold look better? I mean, they just keep it in like a fridge all day oh. until you're ready to do the shot. Uh-huh. And the shot that we were doing uh, was at nighttime. Like we were in the tent. Like we'd finally gotten the tent up and we were like in the tent and we were eating it. And they gave me this Big Mac and it was like this perfect looking Big Mac and it was literally like ice cold. And then it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't fit in my mouth. And so I kept like squishing it to make it fit in my mouth. And they were like, you can't squish it. You're denting the burger. And I was like, I had, it was very stressful. Oh, so you're actually eating the burger on the, on the, on the commercial. Yeah, th- yeah, they get a shot. So how like, many takes? I bet you're like literally taking it by like nine different takes or something. I mean, yeah, I had like nine different burgers. It That's was, hilarious. It was terrible. That part was terrible, but everything yeah. else was great. <laughs> What's been your favorite role so far? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, it's probably a tie between, um, I, I worked on this MTV show. <clears throat> excuse me, I worked on this MTV show called Sweet Vicious for a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was just a great experience. It was the first time that I was working on a show long term. Um, you know, I was in like, nine out of 10 of the episodes and just like the family that we created there. And then, um, and also the topic, um, it was about consent and, um, you know, date rape and college campuses and stuff like yeah. that. So there was some really heavy material, but it was a dark comedy. So uh-huh. <clears throat> sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, it was a dark comedy. So, so yeah, it was, that was really great. And then, um, the other one would be the feature film I did with Wong Fu called Everything Before Us. Um, it was the first time that I got to play the lead in a feature and wow, that's cool. that was so cool. Yeah. To be, I just got the chills for you. <laughs> yeah, it was really special. And, um, I had never even been offered to be able to audition for that type of roles so to be able to audition um because that was something that they were auditioning for some of their shorts and things they just cast but for that I had to audition and and I actually begged them um to audition uh the guy I was dating at the time had helped write the script so I had read the script and I don't think I was supposed to but I read it and I literally hounded them I mean I was texting them emailing them I was like please let me please let me be in this movie like please let me audition for this movie and so eventually they let me audition and I just really didn't think it was going to go anywhere but um is it on Netflix now 
it just got taken down. I'm oh, so oh. sad. It was, it was on there up until a couple months ago. Um, but yeah, it's great. Uh, if you can see it, watch it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, watch it. But yeah, I still remember like Phil calling me and being like, Hey, can you come into the office? I just like want to meet with you. And I was like, sure. Wow. And I met with him and he told me that I got the part oh my and gosh. I, oh, man, I don't know. It was so emotional. It was so great. Uh, and so that was really great. Um, being on set every day and, and being the lead and telling that story. And um, yeah, that was, that was really great too. So probably those two are tied right now. That's cool. Yeah. So being an actress, and I'm just so curious because obviously I don't live in this world, but so it's having an agent and they mm-hmm. submit you all the time. And then mm-hmm. when you're having audition, do you have to like memorize scripts all the times then to like always audition? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, you know, it is, but um, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty good at memorizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it never feels overwhelming to me. And I love stories. Mm-hmm. I love storytelling. So um, every every audition that I get is an opportunity to tell another person's story. And I just, I love that. I mean, mm-hmm. I read all the time. I like literally behind me, I have like, I can't even count them probably like 11, 12 books that I'm reading at the same time. And wow. I just like, I am always, I just want yeah. more of that. So every time I get an audition, I'm like, yes, like more, you know? So yeah. it's actually, um, it kind of fits me as a, yeah. as a person. Um, and, and then, yeah, like it's, it's not, um, it's not a huge deal, but but yeah, so sometimes, you know, during pilot season, when you're like, when you have substantial, like several, several pages, like 14 pages for each uh, audition, that gets to be a little overwhelming, but everyone is in that boat. Everyone's mm-hmm. like going crazy. So it just kind of is this weird time where everyone's really stressed out and like not sleeping and like has 10 characters in their head and we're all like going crazy. And it's yeah. just a special kind of, it's fun to be a part of interesting yeah and then you kind of have to have a flexible schedule then right to like go oh, yeah. in if they need you to interview or not interview but audition yeah it's uh that's kind of like a fun and hard thing I I don't really like routines so it's nice because it's like every day is different yeah but then it's hard too because um I can't really take vacations because it's always like if you leave you could miss that big one that you were oh. supposed to get or whatever so it's kind of a weird place to be but um you know, it's also fun and exciting. Every day is different. You don't know what's what age happen. range do you typically audition for? Do they think that? Uh-huh. You should be? So my age range, uh, <laughs> typical Asian American face. I think technically it says eighteen to twenty-eight. It's mm-hmm. um, a big range, but yes, which is a huge range. But I auditioned for sixteen last week, and sixteen uh, years old. Yes, which okay. is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, uh, but I. I did it yeah and then um and then uh this week I auditioned for something that was late 20s early 30s so um and and I'm I don't know if I should say this but I'm 30 (laughs) so um (laughs) yeah so so technically I should be able to play up to 30 maturity wise hopefully uh but you know (laughs) but you could play up to half Um, your age which is kind of cool yeah but like 16 I mean that's literally half my age so um yeah but then when I watch when I look back at shows like Gossip Girl like it's kind of unbelievable that they were 15 16 years old yeah exactly um so you know I don't really know and I don't think anybody really knows it's just I mean my thing is 
there's a quote and I forget who says it now, but it's like, be so good that they can't ignore you. Mm. And I, I just love that. It's like, you know, I'm me. And look, if you're, if you think you're looking for someone who's 28 and I come in and you are instantly like, she's not 28, you know, but then I wow you with how great I am. And you're like, you know what? Maybe she is 28. Like then great. You know? And if, and if on the other hand, I come in and I wow you and they're like, we love you, but you're not 28. We're going to bring you back for something else. That's a win too. You know, like you're always about booking the room and convincing the people that you're great. So if they bring you back for something that you are more right for. So I don't really see it as a big deal. Like the right role will come along. What would be like your dream TV show to be in? You mentioned Gossip Girl and Parks and Rec. Are those like two shows that you're like? Okay, hold on, pause. I do not love Gossip Girl. (laughs) It's just that when I moved here, I was so depressed and had no friends. I had to pick a show that had like six seasons and was binge worthy. And that happened to be the one that I chose. So (laughs) let me just throw that out there. Uh, Great binge worthy show, but not a great show. Yeah. Guilty pleasure show. Um, Yeah, Parks and Rec like my like saddest thing is that I wasn't able to be on that show like that would have been the dream mm-hmm. I, I which character think, oh my goodness um okay so like if it was a dream like I got yeah. to be on the show for real um probably <laughs> I would love to play April's character however that is not me I am mm-hmm. so expressive and so like happy all the time so probably not um I would probably be um What's her name? Rashida Jones' character. Anne. What's her name? Anne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably be Anne Perkins. That's the um, best. Yeah. Although most people say personality-wise, I am Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I would love the opportunity to work with Amy Poehler, so I'll put myself as her best friend instead. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> line is when she's like, "Oh, Anne, beautiful Anne. You never, need, you never <laughs> needed to be funny." <laughs> I know I love her and I love all of her like nicknames for her and stuff oh she's great (laughs) Amy Poehler listen to this and cast me in something (laughs) I love you (laughs) um one thing I'm also curious about is you mentioned anxiety and I feel like I for sure struggle with anxiety and a lot of people in our generation struggle with anxiety Mm -hmm. what are what like helps you when you are feeling anxious stop drinking coffee (laughs) what what else Um, Yeah, no, I know. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Um, But that's how extreme I had to go to be like, I, I feel like my heartbeat goes really quickly when I have caffeine. So I need to stop drinking caffeine. Um, Also, just uh, finding like healthy kind of ways to take a step back from things. Hmm. I tend to, like I said, I'm a yes person. I tend to take on too much. Hmm. And uh, so learning how to say no to things, learning how to take a step back when you need something or, um, or even just like, if you're really overwhelmed, just being like, okay, I'm gonna close my computer for a second, stop working on whatever it is that I'm working, turn off my phone, and just like, breathe, and like, pray or um, psalms really help like mm. the psalms and just almost like saying it as like a meditation like a meditation prayer, mm-hmm. um, like Psalm 23 and like, you know, having that memorized and repeating it to yourself over and over and over again. Um, like emphasizing different, you know, um, parts of it and just letting, I guess like letting that kind of like wash over you. Um, that really helps me. Um, and sometimes it's even something different is like, like getting out with a friend, like doing this, you know, like sitting down with a friend and like, like that's why you do this podcast is like getting coffee with a girlfriend and just talking and living life together is so like healing to your soul. And so I always feel better after that. Um, 
but yeah, those are some things that I do. Um, but it's a real thing, you know, of our generation and yeah. of being women, especially Asian American women and, um, just the pressures that we put on ourselves and the pressures that our parents and society and all these things put on us. Um, yeah, it's, it's very real. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to ever, um, minimize it. You know, why do you think Asian American women put so much pressure on themselves? I think it's, um, our parents, um, and it's different for a lot of people. I wouldn't say it's the same across, across the board, but I think for, for us as, you know, we are the children of immigrant parents. Um, and, uh, so they came here, they gave up everything and they worked their butts off to give us everything. And so then they expect us to have everything and do everything. Um, and so I think a lot of times we, we love our parents and we, it's not just that they like put this mandate on us. It's, it's part that, but it's also that we want to make them happy. Mm -hmm. We want them to be happy. We want them to be proud of us. Um, and I think sometimes like even the thing of like my, you know, I have a brother and they always like, he was perfect and he was everything. And, and it's like, I want to show them like that I can be just as good as a boy, you know? Mm. So it's, it's like part that part, like the gender thing, part, like part proving, but part also pleasing. And it's just a lot, you know? And, um, and also I think there's this new wave of, we've always been taught to be quiet and like subservient. And now we're like, heck no, man, I yeah. have a voice and I'm a woman. And so then it's like having this responsibility of also having a voice and what that looks like. And yeah, it's just a, it's a lot of different pressures that we put on ourselves. Yeah, for sure. One thing I'm also curious about is I feel like um, something with anxiety is also around contentment and just being content with what you have. And I feel like yeah. also being in your industry and a lot of people, even if you're not in acting or something that's competitive, I feel like we always want what we can't have, or it's hard yes. to be content with what you have when you see on social media, other people having other things or landing mm-hmm. other gigs or having other opportunities. Do you wrestle with that at all? And what helps? Yeah. You? I mean, definitely. I think it's a part of the human condition. I think it's part of being female. Like you think back to Eve and like, mm. like her first thing was like, envious of like what God had like she like wanted that knowledge Mm -hmm. um and so I think that's like ingrained into our sin nature of being envious of other people of being envious and like wanting what other people have um and and so I think it's very (laughs) unfortunately natural to like our sin nature and how we're now born um but um it's like the Instagram generation Instagram is so great but so unhealthy like I I honestly I take breaks from it like Mm. um I I do fast like pretty regular fasts from food and things but but more more often I do fast from social media where I literally take Instagram off of my phone and I'm like I am not going to look at you for a week um because sometimes you get in that place where you're like oh, like these girls are so pretty or, oh, these people are traveling or, Uh, oh, these people have a perfect house or, um, you know, perfect outfits, whatever it may be. Or even just like, you know, I follow a lot of people that I work with. Oh, that girl got that role and I didn't get it, whatever, you know? And it's like, I I should be happy for for sure. I should, you know, I should be um, like her success is my success, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, and I I feel that way when I'm healthy, but Mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm not healthy, then it's like, okay, time to go off social media for a little bit. Um, the time to spend that time scrolling through my Bible app instead of yeah. scrolling through my Instagram feed. Um, there yeah. was one time when, um, I think like right before Easter, I switched where my Instagram app was and re- like moved that app where my Bible app was and moved them around. Brilliant. And it was crazy how many times just my thumb accidentally touched it 
And, and then like, you're like, well, I'm here now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I didn't even open up my Bible. I thought that was like, my thumb was just like naturally like memorized where my Instagram app was. Wow. That's crazy. crazy. That's so crazy. And so, oh man, convicting. I think I'm like, man, should I do that? It's hard. <laughs> I, I'm a little OCD. So I actually organize my apps by color. So that would kind of drive me nuts. Okay, but uh, give you so much anxiety. Yeah, but I have like but, so many notification bubbles that I don't. Look no, notification bubbles don't mind, don't bother okay. me. But just I don't know. I organize it by color. I need it to like look. It needs to be like a nice gradient. <laughs> so <laughs> look nice. Yeah, I love that. Do you know um, enneagrams? I do. Okay. Do I you know what you enneagram. are? I'm a four. Oh, okay. When so yeah. I'm a seven. But when oh my I was gosh! Okay, that, seven. Thought- Great. You're so enthusiastic. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. You know all about it. I, I, when I was hearing you, I was like, oh, are you a seven? Maybe like, no, you know, a lot of people think I'm a seven. That's why mm-hmm. I know what it is. Cause people are like, oh, are you a seven? And I'm like, no, I'm a four. Cause I, of course, in my four nature, I get really offended by that. I'm like, no, I'm a four. I'm an individual. Um, but I looked up a seven recently cause people have been saying that. And I was like, oh, I can, I can see why. Yeah. Think that, I've never met a four. I've only read about a four, heard about a four. And I was like, yes, no, you've never, that. you've never met a four because we're individuals. <laughs> Such a unique individual. I'm unique. There's no one like me. Okay. I'm tell us what kind. a four means. Uh, so I think we are the individualist. I think it's like, sometimes we're something different and different mm-hmm. like books and stuff, but uh, yeah, we're the individualist. We, we have this need to be different um, and uh, this need to kind of like stand out. So it's, it's funny, like now that I'm kind of, um, really learning about the Enneagram and being like, all right, this is my sin nature, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and how do I, um, let God bring out instead the parts of me that are good instead of, uh, the things that are not so great. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's funny, like I've been reflecting on how, of course I'm a four and of course I ended up in this industry. And of course I'm an actor because it's like, I have this need to be seen and to be recognized for how unique I am. And, um, yeah, it's funny. It's just, um, the irony of it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I love being a four. Um, Fours are big, uh, feelers, right? Uh, yeah, I think okay. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question for you. And this was went blast. so quickly. It went by really fast. I I'm know. like trying to think of more questions. We can keep going. Um, <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> yeah. okay, we can do part two for sure. Um, part of the name is coffee and honeycomb. Yes. And honeycomb is a verse or a truth that you are currently clinging on to either in this season, or maybe it's a life verse. What mm-hmm. is your honeycomb? Okay. So I remember that you were going to ask me this question and I was like, I have so many, like, how can you choose? Oh my gosh, tell me um, But um, I, so, okay, I'm going to do two, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have one that's always been my life first because I actually have it tattooed on my finger. I'll show oh, you, you but you can't see it, but I mean, you can see it, but the listeners can't see it. Um, it's uh, just 4610, it's Psalm 4610. Um, be still and know that I am God. Um, that's the part that I, cling on to but then the second part which I like always forget but now I'm like no that's so important too is um I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in all the earth um yeah and that is in itself like just such a hope of like no like God like Jesus is returning and he will be exalted and all things will be made new um and just the like by resting in that we can just be still and be calm have peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been my life first, but the verse that I find myself, um, 
praying to myself a lot, like hmm. repeating to myself a lot is John 16, 33, um, where Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so just that idea of all these things that Jesus has said to us, like the whole Bible, you know, him being actually like the word made flesh, like this whole Bible that we have is given to us that we might have peace Mm. um going kind of back to that anxiety thing of just like being in the word and that giving us peace and then um saying you know in the world you will have tribulation and I love that because it's it's not minimizing my pain like I think a lot of times when I'm in these kind of like painful or anxious or like depressed places it's easy to be like just like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just get out of it. And like, God is good all the time, you know? And while that's true, like God is good all the time. Like at the same time, like Jesus was like crucified. <laughs> like that is like real pain, you know? And he really knows it. And so for him to be like, you will have tribulation, you will have pain in this world, but take heart. I have mm. overcome the world. Ugh, it's just, so ugh, it makes me, it makes me so emotional because, you know, it's just, it's good. It's good. It's all good. So yeah, that's uh, honeycomb. Such a good way of saying it. So mm-hmm. sweet. Mm-hmm. I've heard that verse before and I always liked it. Like thinking of God as this overcomer and mm-hmm. powerful God, but also so affectionate and intimate by saying, take heart. Mm-hmm. But I've never thought about you will have tribulation as something that reminds us that we don't have to feel like our pain is invalid mm-hmm. um, or that we need to yeah dismiss it. That like brought new meaning to that verse. I love that. Yay. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm. Well, thanks so much, Victoria, for being on the podcast. This hour went by so fast. I know. It's so great talking to you. I feel like we've known each other forever. (laughs) (laughs) Where can um, people find you? Yeah. um, Well, you can find me on social media if you're not taking a social media fast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram um, at hey, like, Hey, H-E-Y, B-V-P, which are my initials. Um, Or you can just search Victoria Park and I'll come up. Um, I also have a blog that I have not updated in a while. But if you like, yeah, it's honestly, I have not updated it. So you don't even have to put this in if you don't want to. But I have not updated it in a year. But it's uh, littlebbigcity.com. Um, and that's great. I have like some writings on there and stuff. Um, and the next thing that I will be in, let me think. Um, I have a, so I'll be in a movie. I don't know when it's coming out or where you'll find it, but it's called Plus One. Uh, I think maybe it will be on Netflix. I'm not sure. It'll be all over my Instagram. So look right there. And I will be in an Amazon show next year, early next year called Too Old to Die Young. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll for sure be on the lookout for both of those things. Thanks, man. That's super cool. Do you have like on your website, does it have like a link to all the places you've been? Uh, I mean, you can IMDb me too. Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks so much, Victoria. 